You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. In December, I spoke with Robert Tao, founder of UMC, who in August of 2022 pledged to donate 100 million U.S. dollars to help Taiwan defend itself. In 2011, he moved to Singapore and became a citizen there. But in September of last year, he renounced his Singaporean citizenship and reinstated his citizenship in Taiwan. We talked about what motivated him to decide to make the donation to defend Taiwan, why he's been perceived as pro-business investment in China, and about his support for a referendum on unification between Taiwan and China. I even had a chance to ask him about his early support in 1993 for the new party, Xindang, a political party in Taiwan that had a pro-Chinese unification stance. Mr. Tao shared his thoughts on the Chinese Communist Party today and why he thinks it's important to protect Taiwan from an attack by the Chinese Communist People's Republic of China. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NATOA, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association. NATOA was founded in 1988 and its mission is... 1. To evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity. 2. To oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality. 3. To fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs. 4. To contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan. 5. To reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about NATOA, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Without further ado, here's our interview. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Sao. Hello, everyone. Thank you. So I know that you've been so busy because there have been local elections in Taiwan lately. And so I thought maybe we could start by talking about that because I know you've been quite active and busy. What are your thoughts on the outcome of the recent elections? Well, people are still analyzing what happened. And of course, the Green camp, the Minjinda uh, camp, were very disappointed. So most people believe President Chai is a major one who is responsible for the loss. I think uh, what she did was that she uh, recommended the last Xinju mayor, Lin Zhijian, to compete in Taoyuan. But then there was a case. People said that his asset was copied from other articles. So that's what we call Lun Wenmen, kind of become a major focal point in the election. And that brought down a lot of Green Camp supporters. Yeah, unfortunately, there have been different so-called scandals with people's thesis being plagiarized and things like that. It seems like people making issues of those things. What do you think the outcome of the election tells you about the current concerns of the people of Taiwan, and how does that make you feel? I think uh, you know, election uh, shows that there's some problem with the current administration. Tsai Ing-wen has stepped down from the chairman of the Minjindang. And the vice president, Lai Yingde, has stepped up to say he, he's willing to compete to take the chairman position. And then, of course, he will run for the next election. I think that, that's a good sign because Lai's background is very clean. 
people has a lot of trust in his integrity. So I think he will bring a new scenario to Taiwan. Honestly, I'm positive on the outcome of the 2024 president election. Good to know because I know that during this election you're trying to fight a lot of disinformation. There's some disinformation about the candidate Zhang Wanan, the KMT candidate who still got elected as the mayor of Taipei, and a lot of people were kind of disappointed because the KMT they won so many seats in the election, and they were concerned that may impact the presidential election. But why do you say you're still optimistic? Well, basically, this time. The supporter of the blue camp has not changed much,、mm-hmm. has not increased. But what happened was that the middle group, you know, they decided not to vote for the green camp.、Mm-hmm. So of course, in the next election, probably it's very difficult to convince the blue camp to vote for the green camp. But the people in between, I think they can be much easier to be convinced to come out to vote for Lai Qingde. So I think that looks looks fine. I think. Of course, as I'm talking to you, I know that everyone is going to want to hear me ask you about the U.S. 100 million dollar donation that you pledged to defend Taiwan. That's been so much covered in the media. I know that a lot of reports said that the money was going to go for civil defense and military drones. Is there anything else in the dis- To these items that the money is going to be spent on, I think、uh, the major weakness in Taiwan is、uh, in the area of recognition, the national identity, or the psychology, or the confidence,、mm-hmm. the solidarity. So these are all the mental part. So I try to make this weakness stronger. Yeah, I try to bring people the significance of our current situation. I keep saying that after 1996, Taiwanese can elect their own president. Then they become real citizen, Gongmin.、Mm-hmm. For thousands of years, Chinese never enjoy the status of a citizen. They actually are either have to obedience to the authorities, or they might be beaten up like animals by、mm-hmm. the rulers. So it's very significant that Taiwanese now can be free, democratic, and under the law, they're all equal. So I think I try to let people appreciate our status: the free, democratic people with a human right protected by law. So I think people have to realize that it's not something that comes easy. You know, it was the achievements of many people's contribution. So we have to appreciate that, and we should try to unite to preserve the democracy and freedom. So, how are you planning to do that? I know that part of what you're working on is disinformation and fake news in Taiwan. And can you talk a little bit about what you're doing to support protecting Taiwan's democracy? Yeah, well, a lot of fake news actually are supported by the communist parties by China. So instead of、uh, arguing with them, I think we should bring the right concept, the positive、uh, information, to gain people's confidence in, in the right direction. As I said, we cannot fight the darkness, but we can send out the, the light. 
we can become like a torch. So then we can light up、uh, people's mind. I'm also wondering, like, how is it that you came to make this decision to donate a hundred million dollars? Like, what is the decision-making process that you go through to decide to do something like that? It's not every day that we hear somebody doing that. You decide to come back to Taiwan and to spend all this money to protect Taiwan's democracy. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to this decision? Well, I have to bring the time back to two decades ago. In year two thousand, I was the national policy advisor to Chinese Rebian.、Uh, in two thousand and one, he asked、uh, Mr. Li Yuan to form a special task force, try to dress up the cross-street policy or strategy. It consists of a blue camp, green camp, and a colorless、uh, people like me.、Uh-huh. <laughs> so there, I said from now on. We should not talk about so-called one China because there's no one China. There's two China. One is the Republic of China, the other is the People's Republic of China. If you talk one China, people got lost. The world got confused.、Right? Mm-hmm. So from that time, we should say that we don't have the issue of a so-called Taiwan independence. Taiwan, the Republic of China, has to be independent.、So、there's no independence issue. But this issue that China want to so-called reunite Taiwan actually is just an invasion, it's just an aggression. The, the Communist Party they were the citizen of Republic of China, but they decide to start the armed rebellion, so they establish a regime called People's Republic of China in mm-hmm. 1949, mm-hmm. right? So that's how Republic of China was separated, but.、Uh, Central government of Republic of China moved over to Taiwan. We were separated by the Communist Party in 1949, right? As an independent state, Republic of China has always been independent of People's Republic of China. So、uh, there's no independence issue. Maybe、uh, there's a democracy issue. There's no independent issue. So、uh, what I've been promoting was that there's only one issue, which is a request of reunification by China. So we have to deal with this. So how to deal with it? Is, in principle, it's not、uh, complicated. In principle, we should learn from the business merger and acquisition. You know, when one company want to merge another company, they have to come up with a proposal. And send a proposal to the other company to be approved by their shareholders. So in 2001, I said that Taiwan should ask China to come up with clear terms and conditions and send the condition and terms to Taiwan. And Taiwanese hold a referendum on those proposals. If the Taiwanese agree on this proposal, then the reunification process can be started. So that's what I proposed. So there's no independent issue. There's an issue of facing the request of a reunification from China. And I said that reunification has to be through the referendums in Taiwan. But a lot of people misunderstood me. They said, "Oh, I'm pro reunification,"、mm-hmm. which actually is not true because I keep saying that. Look, at the end of World War Two. There were only sixty sovereign states, but now the independent sovereign states has come to hundred ninety five. So from six to hundred ninety five shows that after World War Two, 
the trend of modernization or civilization is for countries to go independent. We should view independence as achievement, as luck, as civilized. So in the past, either Kuomintang or Communist Party, they actually keep people or brainwash people that time independence is very, very bad, very evil. But that's wrong. So we have to change the perception of independence. We have to let people understand that Taiwan independence is very lucky, is civilized. So look, the United Kingdom used to rule a huge number of countries. Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, Egypt, India. Now these countries are all independent of UK. So if any party in the UK says that they want to reunite, say, Canada or US or Australia, people will say that's crazy, right? If this party says that they want to reunite any of the countries by force, he must be a terrorist, right? So Taiwan, after 1949, has been independent of China for the last 73 years. So there's no any reason to bring Taiwan back to under the ruling of the Communist parties. I don't think there is even any reason why they need to have a referendum because it's not like Hong Kong when there's some kind of contract that they have to go back or they were even part of China. Taiwan was never a part of the Chinese Communist parties. I mean, the history is quite complex, but yeah, I don't even see why there needs to be a referendum. That would just be if people really want to consider this as a scenario. But there's not even any obligation that Taiwan needs to have a referendum on this. You're right. You're right. But, you know, you just have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To give a clear response. Yeah. It's just, okay, we try to propose some civilized way, a peaceful way to deal with so we can avoid the war, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I think Taiwan needs to show China that there is a peaceful way to solve this. You, you cannot ignore the democratic process in Taiwan. If they want to do anything, if they follow the democratic process, it can be okay. So that's what I've been proposing. But in 2019, in Hong Kong, I saw how the Communist Party cracked down the freedom or cracked down the judiciary independence in Hong Kong and how Hong Kong was protecting, was kind of beaten down, you know, mm -hmm. especially in July 21st, the Yuanlang station. The Hong Kong police, they mobilized a huge group of ruffians. They come to you stick some weapons to beat up just common innocent citizens. So right. when I saw that, you know, it's mm -hmm. out of line. So mm -hmm. I realized that you don't have to talk to them anymore because they just don't respect any rules. They don't honor any of the promises. So why should we, we deal with them? So I, I decided I come back to Taiwan. I will wake up Taiwanese, let them know that there's only one way to stop them, just by fighting. You have to protect yourself, just like Ukraine. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Putin was so crazy. Many people try to convince Putin not to attack Ukraine, but uh, there's no way to convince him. The mm -hmm. only way is to fight and stop him. I think Taiwan is in the same situation. Right. 
I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will be curious about how you shifted your thinking because it's known that you supported the Xindang, the new party in 93. And then in the 2000s, you were very pro doing investment or building better business ties in China. What's the difference between the situation then and now? Because there's quite a shift in your thinking towards China. Well, again, that's not a, a correct story. What happened was that in year 2000, some of UMC, my company employees, they decided mm-hmm. to quit UMC and decided to start their second career in China. So I could not stop them. So I said, okay, you go. We can build up strategic relationship. Mm-hmm. We try to coordinate each other instead of you know having direct competition. So that's what happened. So UMC and I did not invest in China. We just kind of help them to get some fund, help them to start up. So the people misunderstood that because they said, oh, you invested in China. You No, actually, we've been very careful in doing so. But before the ex-employee of UMC did that, there were already two cases. You know, the two companies formed by Taiwanese in Shanghai. So that's what happened. I, I never mm-hmm. say promote a heavy investment to China. Never. Okay. And what about your support of the new party in 93? Because I read that in 93 you supported the Xindang in 93 when they were formed. Xindang, yeah, I have many friends. They were a group that emphasized on integrity, emphasizing cleanliness. You know, at that time, Xindang believed Li Denghui was uh, corrupted. But they were also pro-unification, right? Yes, they were pro-unification. But in that term, I'm not in agreement with them. Mm-hmm. But, but it was a very short-lived because very mm-hmm. soon people found that the new party were, you know, <laughs> not that decent people. Mm-hmm. Actually, when they gain some power, they start to fight against each other. Mm-hmm. So actually, they did not have the integrity or do not have a very long-term perspective. So very soon, I did not support them anymore. Yeah, yeah it's difficult when people have ideas, but then in practicality, things may change. It's very interesting that you identify yourself as Taiwanese, and I know that you were born in China and your parents and family came over in the late 40s. I was curious to know when you began to have this identity of being Taiwanese, like how did you identify yourself when you were growing up? I imagine it only seems normal that you would consider yourself Chinese, but then maybe there was some kind of evolution or something. Can you talk about that? Well, actually, I never thought about that issue. I just grew up and you know, I was an yeah. engineer. I would do my, my job. You know. Actually, I, I helped create the chip industry in Taiwan. So I have a lot of affection of Taiwan. This is where I grew up. This is where mm-hmm. I made it myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm Taiwanese. When people ask, where are you from? I now tell them I'm from East Africa. <laughs> and now for a short break. Hello, listeners. I'm excited to share that we have a donor who has offered Talking Taiwan a matching donation of $5,000. That means when we raise $5,000, it will be automatically doubled to $10,000. So this is the time for you to make a contribution to Talking Taiwan and help us raise $10,000. 
You can make a contribution to Talking Taiwan on GoFundMe.com, Patreon.com forward slash Talking Taiwan, or PayPal and Zelle using our email address TalkingTaiwanPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're old school, just send us a check to our mailing address, which you'll find on our website at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. All of our donors will get exclusive first listening access to my interviews with Robert Tao, founder of UMC, who in August of 2022 pledged to donate 100 million US dollars to help Taiwan defend itself. Kevin Lin, one of the co-founders of Twitch and current co-founder and CEO of MetaTheory. The Boba Guys, co-founders Andrew Chow and Bin Chen. Chin Chi Yang, a multidisciplinary artist who has been inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame. And Michelle Ho, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick, which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. We'd like to thank our first donor of the year, the Greater New York Region Overseas Taiwanese Pen Club, and all of our supporters. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, Israeli historian. Actually, you raised a question. You said that now people, technology-wise or ability-wise, people become a god. But uh, mentally, they're still like a baby. So it makes a world very dangerous because so much power, you can destroy others or even the whole responsibility is. So the answer is that with the advancing technology, we have to grow ourselves from inside. I would say that we have to become a Buddha, the Buddhist term of the ideal man. So I'm a Buddhist. Buddha means that you first become people with a zhiren do you understand me? I'm not sure. Let's say, means you have to be wise, you have to be kind, you have to be brief. When you are equipped with this substance, you can start pursue pursuing truth, virtue, and beauty. So that you acquire the uh, internal strength in terms of Then you start pursuing pursue The difference between man and the animal is that we keep Pursuing yeah. mm-hmm. So that differentiates us. So you can see in China, under the authoritarian rulings, people dare not to speak truth. They are discouraged to find the truth in China. So it's very common that people try to hurt others for their own benefit. It's a very cruel, very barbaric society. Mm-hmm. But, but in Taiwan now we see we're more free, democratic, we honor human rights. So Taiwanese basically monitor people. <laughs> I don't know why your voice, the voice comes up every now and then. From a Chinese intervention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Taiwan is a much better place. Mm-hmm. Taiwan is modern. Taiwan is more civilized. So enjoy status of citizens. So we have to appreciate that. And so-called national identity, that's not just a superficial thing. I see. Interesting. The essence, the fundamental value is what we should focus on. So then what do you think about what's happening in China? Because there have been a lot more protests recently about the COVID restrictions and so forth. Do you think that there is any hope 
And I don't know, some people who are very cynical think, well, yes, people are tired of the strict COVID restrictions, but that's all that it is because they want to go shopping they want to go to the restaurant, um, they want to go out. It's not really about freedom and having the right to elect their leaders or having like full rights. Well, I think Chinese communists, they've been experts on controlling people or slaving people. Mm-hmm. Now, with the help of uh, modern uh, technology, yeah, I think they actually can monitor every person's every movement. So it's very difficult for Chinese to fight against the system. So as I said, we cannot overcome darkness. We can only emit light, emit hope. So we have to protect Taiwan so it can serve like a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So it keeps us emit light into the darkness of China. And hopefully someday, somehow, they could stand up to overturn that ridiculous, barbaric government. Thank you. It's very interesting the way that you put it. I can see where you're coming from now because it's not really so much that we can necessarily do anything about China because they have their issues with the Communist Party and things they're struggling with. But we need to protect Taiwan because, yeah, like you said, the democracy has been hard won and the human rights and the things that we have in Taiwan need to be protected. How do you see yourself or how would you like people to see yourself as a philanthropist, as someone who's an expert on Taiwan-China relations, someone who just wants to create awareness, or maybe, I don't know, do you have any ambitions to run for an office? How would you like people to think of you? Well, I just let people think of me as just a normal Buddhist. You know, the Buddhist basically is try to keep people happy try to remove their suffering. That's what mm-hmm. I've tried to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I found a great pleasure in doing so. Mm-hmm. So you can view me as a monk with the hairs. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to see in terms of the Taiwan-China relations? What do you think we should do to strengthen Taiwan's place in the world? Well, the view independence of China as a very great achievements. It's a heaven's gift. We enjoy the freedom and democracy because basically Taiwanese are kind people. And becoming independent is such achievements. Look at many places, they want to be independent, but they could not. Like Quebec, Canada, Scotland, UK, Western Australia. Many people like to become independent. And look, even UK, they joined European Union now they want to exit. It's a very painful and lengthy process. They have not done it completely yet. So becoming independent is such a luck that don't lose it. We have to fight to preserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just don't want to lose it. But there's still a couple of things I think need to be taken care of if Taiwan wants to become a fully functional. Because there are a lot of things that are dysfunctional in Taiwan. Like, for example, the official name, in my opinion, the Republic of China is very confusing. Everybody says it's Taiwan, but that's not the official name. And then also you could argue there's issues with the constitution. What do you think about these issues? Like, Do you think there needs to be some kind of a name rectification movement or constitutional reform in Taiwan? Yeah, well, 
First, I think we have to support the President Tsai Ing-wen's argument that Taiwan and China are two independent states, and they don't belong to each other. So that we have to speak loudly internally and in the international places. We have to let people realize the fact that Taiwan is an independent state. We do not belong to China. So we have to first clear up the confusion internationally or domestically. So when people realize that's a fact, then the rest is easy. You want to change the name of Republic China to Taiwan? Why not? And you have to remove the so-called one China policy. That would be much easier. So you have to let the Taiwanese identify with the independence status. Then let the world understand that we are independent states. That's a fact. We do not want to change the status quo. The status quo is that Taiwan is independent of China. We have to let everyone knows that. And we have to let people know that Chinese aggression or invention on Taiwan is anti-civilization. It's a war crime against humanity. We have to keep saying that. When most people accept that, then the rest are easy. Right. And of course, because of your background with UMC, I have to ask, how much of a deterrent do you think is Taiwan's semiconductor industry to China attacking Taiwan? Well, currently, I think if China attacks Taiwan, if they discontinue the production of Taiwanese chip industry, it'll be catastrophic for the whole world because all the new product in the area of AI, cloud computing, mm-hmm. or autopilot, or defense, or space works, were all disastrously impacted. But the importance of a chip industry in Taiwan can be a sword with a double edge because it could be also become a target for Chinese to blackmail the whole world. They could say that, okay, you have to ask the Taiwanese to surrender their sovereignty for us to not attack the chip industry. So that could be also strategically dangerous to Taiwan. Mm. They would be impacted by that too, because there's so many things that we use in our daily lives that need semiconductors, right? Yeah, but you have to realize that the Chinese Communist Party's first priority is their controlling power. Like Mao Zedong used to say that he encourages the Chinese to increase the population because he said that once we have enough population and in case there's a nuclear war, the U.S. will be eliminated completely, but we still have plenty of people to survive. So Chinese communists, they have a very crazy ideology. You may ask one question, why they have already such a huge land? They still want to attack Taiwan because Taiwan is strategically important to them. What it means is that they want to bring down the U.S. dominance in the world. They want to be the only one dominant power in the world. So after they conquer Taiwan, they can open up the door to expand their dominance in the Pacific. So you have to realize that their priorities is different from us. We care about the civilization. We care about the future mankind, their power. 
So like Putin, what's the benefit that a Russian can enjoy by merging Ukraine? It's just crazy guys as the ideology. <laughs> but in China, the craziness is not limited to only Xi Jinping. Mm-hmm. The craziness is shared by about 90 million communists on China. Mm. So, so we have to realize that. Yeah, something to think about. I also wanted to ask you, since you pledged the $100 million for defense of Taiwan, what do you think about, first of all, what kind of reform needs to happen in the military in Taiwan? Because you're one person, but Taiwan needs to think about what it needs to do. Right. So I hope Lai Qingde, the coming candidate for Mi can provide some clear guidance. Do you have any thoughts? Because I've heard a lot of different things, like increasing the length of military service, maybe allowing women to serve in the military. I think uh, basically many people want to participate in protecting the country. I think uh, you probably should not too insist on the terms. For instance, how long young people should be drafted to the armies? Probably it's not uh, that important. But I think it'd be very easy to ask the people to join the army, to get trained voluntarily, like, like the Kuma Academy. People want to come to the class to get training. We just don't have enough capacity to handle the, all those requests. I see. Yeah, and many mothers want to get the training because they want to protect their babies. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so I think you can do it in a very innovative way. Mm-hmm. You don't force young people to come to military because it won't okay. be very useful. Interesting. Yeah. When I deliver a speech in Taiwan, many elders said they like to come to fight for Taiwan. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> well, everyone needs to be trained then to know how to do that properly. <laughs> And effectively. What about, like, you know, some people say if the Taiwanese really want to protect themselves, like have better defense, then they really should just pay more taxes and spend more on the military. Paying taxes is such a sensitive issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) People would like to hear that you use money more efficiently. Sure. Instead of paying more money. (laughs) Yeah. The last thing I just want to ask you is because we talked about how in 2007 you made a proposal that to have a referendum on unification with China. Would you still stand by that today? Do you think it would be a good idea to have a referendum on whether Taiwan should unify with China? No, that's another Mr. Understanding. Okay. I never proposed to have a referendum. I just say that if China want to reunify Taiwan, they have to go through Taiwan referendum. Okay. Basically, I, I think reunification is a funny idea. Mm-hmm. It's against the humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's against the civilization. But if they really want to do that, uh, we can provide them a peaceful and civilized way. So, so that's all I was talking about. I never proposed to hold a referendum for them in Taiwan. So I have to really clarify that. Okay. Thank you for doing so. And I invite you, if there's anything else that you'd just like to say, I invite you to share. Two days ago, I delivered a speech at the annual meeting of FAPA. Oh, wonderful. So I know there are many groups in the United States. They care about Taiwan. They want to do something for Taiwan. 
But it seems the effort was very separated and somehow not very well coordinated. So I think you guys in the state should be cooperating more and making the effort much bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is an issue. That brings up another question. It's kind of interesting because as we've already talked about this in the interview, there's been some misunderstandings about your position in the past and so on. So I think there are a lot of people who were probably your detractors in the last 10 years. But now that you have this position and you've come back to Taiwan and said that you want to help with the civil defense, a lot of people are now really your strong supporters. So that must be very interesting to see some people who were actually very critical of you now be some of your strongest supporters. <laughs> yeah. Well, in recent months, many people come to say, ah, Mr. Thomas, sorry, I used to attack you wrongly. I say, oh, well. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's a very difficult to understand others. Yeah. So yeah. I think time will tell. Yeah. Who is really having some compassion? Who is trying to keep together something for themselves. So, yeah, trust me, I'm a Buddhist. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. It was a very interesting interview. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, nice talking to you. I've been speaking with Robert Tell, founder of UMC, who in August of 2022 pledged to donate 100 million U.S. dollars to help Taiwan defend itself. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NATOA, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association, NATOA, was founded in 1988. To learn more about NATOA, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.